Elliot, good to have you on the show. Uh, this is Rocky Gilio. I'm the uh, host here on Cloud and Clear. And for those tuning in regularly, you know that uh, we're here talking about uh, all things cloud and SADA, and we're bringing in our customers and partners and friends. And so, Elliot, it's great to have you on the show today. Um, you are CIO uh, at uh, Oanda. Do I have that right? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much for uh, hosting me here. Really, really happy to be here and speaking to your audience. Um, this is actually my podcast debut. I think this is the first podcast episode that I've ever been on uh, nice. any podcast. So, so really, really excited for that. That's um, awesome. Yeah, you got that right. I'm the Chief Information Officer at Oanda. Uh, so for those that don't know, Oanda uh, is a company global um, founded in Toronto in 1996 uh, in the sort of fintech space. Um, so we really started uh, all around currency data and sharing currency data with the masses, with sort of retail traders um, and uh, sort of you know, expanding beyond at the time the access that only kind of large institutions had to that data. So really kind of based around democratization of, of data. Um, since then, we've grown quite substantially. Uh, we have offices and, and operate in many countries around the world. Um, New York, Toronto, Singapore, uh, Poland, London, uh, Tokyo, uh, Sydney, you know, all the major financial centers of the, the world. Uh, so I've been at Oanda here for three years, um, just over three years. Uh, was brought in after Oanda was acquired by a private equity firm called CBC uh, and you know, brought in to grow the organization, scale it um, you know, responsibly and sustainably uh, to deliver lasting value for our investors, of course, for our private equity owners, but also for our customers. Yeah, that's super cool. Yeah, that's a that's a great industry. Uh, and you mentioned data democratization. I mean, digital transformation, kind of three three tenets of digital, right? Um, data democratization, uh, access to any you know from anywhere, um, you know. So, and then modern infra. Obviously, there's some other other things there, but um, so it's, it's, it's neat to hear you say that relative to the fintech space, right? Like, there's so much going on there. Um, I think everybody is trading now in some way, shape, or form, right? You got companies like Robinhood and these others that are popping up and making apps. And um, so the market, I think, is just super different than it has been. So it's neat to hear that, you know, hey, here we are. Um, and you said you're you're kind of global now, right? So you've got trading, uh, I guess I'm assuming trading options in um, in all those countries that you listed. And so it's not just, you know, here's some data, go have fun with it. But Tell us a little bit about what Oanda's doing with that data and, and what, what your customers are getting out of uh, out of that. Yeah, good good question. So, um, you know, first on on trading, uh, while we were born out of sort of sort of currency data, um, our trading offering has expanded to be quite broad. So, of course, foreign exchange trading was sort of our our legacy and our, our core. Um, but we've since grown to uh, CFDs, contracts for difference on uh, shares, uh, crypto. Uh, commodities, bonds, um, all of course depending on the market and and what is allowed in each uh, in each jurisdiction. Um, so yeah, you know we we have grown quite substantially. I mean, data is 
a huge sort of value add um, for us in growing the business, right? Um, as it is probably for pretty much every company in every industry, um, understanding our data, you know, digging into data, you know, deriving insights from that um, and using that to deliver better services to our customers in the right place at the right time um, is, is, is a huge, you know, has been a huge benefit to our business, but also is certainly a huge opportunity. Um, there is a lot more that we can do with the data that we have. Um, for our, our customers, you know, I think that that is true uh, there as well. I think, um, you know, trading, whether it's an exchange-based uh, trading platform or, or uh, instrument, or whether it's over-the-counter like um, uh, many of our instruments are, so it's almost like peer-to-peer -peer trading, right? Um, information is power. Right. The more information you as a, as a customer have um, to make a better informed decision, to, to make a better risk informed decision in trade, um, you know, ideally the better outcome for you as a trader. So we, we do try to uh, deliver that to our customers. I mean, our motto is literally smarter trading. Um, so we try and empower our customers with data um, and with access to information that they might not otherwise you know, have easy access to at their fingertips to really uh, make it, um, we, we, we like to make it, uh, what's the word that I'm looking for? Um, seamless, I suppose, um, you know, for, for customers to make the right decisions. Uh, so that's, that's really kind of how we look at data and the cloud obviously plays a, a very big part of that. Um, you know, there is so much information that we're generating. There's so much information that the market is generating. So you know, getting all of that into one place to uh, into a format that we can sort of distill those insights and make those decisions uh, and deliver to our customers is um, you know, something that we, we realized very quickly is not possible in sort of our legacy traditional on-premise environments, which is one of the many reasons that sort of led us to the, uh, to the cloud. Yeah, very cool. So what was the biggest challenge? I mean, when I think about that type of data um, and in that industry, right, there's a lot of um, history there. There's a lot of history. So usually that brings like, hey, don't touch my, you know, don't move my cheese kind of mentality, right? Like <laughs> um, how much of a challenge was that for you guys as you're looking at bringing the insights, collecting all that data? Um, you know, the technical stuff obviously is, uh, is I'm sure something we, we should dive into here a little bit, but, um, mm -hmm. but what was the biggest challenge for you guys? Just, just as you were delivering, bring this to market, pulling this data together and starting to deliver it to customers. Like, did you run into challenges with even inside of Oanda just chat, you know, mm -hmm. Hey, what about this? Or, you know, the hesitation in doing the democratization of that, uh, of those assets. Yeah, I think, um, you know, it is certainly a, a complex challenge for a variety of reasons. Uh, first of all, you know, Oenda is a, a long lived established brand. Like I mentioned, you know, we've been around since 96. Um, again, with any, in, with any company in any industry, uh, there's a lot of sort of debt that's generated over the years, right? So when we look at you know, how our internal teams and our products for consuming data across the organization, there's a spider web of dependencies. You know, there's, there's 20 some odd years of, of history there. 
Uh, so it really is a complex challenge to understand that landscape uh, to and, and then to sort of get buy-in, get everybody on board and execute a large-scale migration to not only a new platform being, you know, the cloud, but it's it's different, right? Like for us to really get the value um, out of the cloud and, and having our data on the cloud and uh, again, you know, doing the transformations in the cloud, driving, uh, delivering those insights um, from the data in the cloud, it's a fundamentally different model, right? So not only are we replatforming, it's not like, okay, you know, point from this URL to this URL now and everything's exactly the same. It truly is, is different. Um, so that's, that's a challenge that's not to be kind of understated, right? Um, there are there are other challenges, of course, that again, I'm sure, you know, most industries are, are facing, which is, you know, we have to be very thoughtful about what we can and cannot do with what data. Um, you know, there's obviously data that is protected under GDPR. Um, you know, there's uh, there's data that we um, that we have certain obligations to use or not use in certain ways, whether that's regulatory obligations or moral or ethical obligations to our customers. Um, so, you know, being mindful of that is is obviously really crucial to the success of this type of initiative. And I think really requires a, a very strong uh, and prescriptive view of data governance. Um, and I mean, this all ties in, right? Like the cloud helps with that, those foundational elements in understanding your data landscape, understanding where and how things are, are flowing and in what form is certainly foundational to, being, to, to be able to make informed decisions on you know how to use the data when, where, and and what's appropriate in that uh, in that context. Yeah, and and you've said it earlier, right? <clears throat> Cloud it really unlocks that capability, and that's something that I've seen you know time and time again. Where it's you could do this in a data center, but now you're buying for this unknown capacity, and it just it becomes expensive and difficult to manage uh, as you mm -hmm. grow and and as you continue to operate. And so, of course. Starting in 1996, what other choice did you have, right? And so there's there's this transition, not just in the what you're going to do with the data, but also in the mindset of around how you're going to manage and operate that. So as you guys were looking at cloud and and making that migration, um, what was the the what was the thing that helped push you over the edge? Like what was that carrot that everyone's like, you know what, this is the why. This is this is what's going to get us um, to that next level with our customers and with our you know, private equity firm, whatever, right? Like this is the return uh, mm -hmm. here. Yeah, it's a, it's a very good question. Um, you know, I would say that the strength of the product offering in the data space in on, on Google Cloud was a huge selling point for that. Um, you know, when I look at how we were handling, transforming, ingesting, uh, you know, serving, warehousing, whatever data on-prem, it was a collection of, you know, a bunch of disparate tools. Uh, that you know fit for some use cases, but didn't fit for others. Uh, one of the really strong advantages of Google Cloud's suite of, of data products is that you know a lot of it is managed. So we don't necessarily have to make a decision on okay, you know, are we running a columnar database or are we running uh, you know a well structured relational database? Are we you know are we um, 
uh, streaming, you know, event data between systems or not, and like all of those decisions, which historically would be based on, you know, the licensing cost of those tooling, the overhead of buying and maintaining servers and those applications on the servers. You know, it's a lot easier on Google Cloud because it is much more sort of pay as you go to say, okay, well, you know, this data is a very good fit in BigQuery, which I truly believe is, you know, best in class in uh, and what it does. Um, you know, we can also have data in an unstructured format in GCS and, you know, do a lot of cool things with that. When we look at things like Cloud Composer and, you know, Dataflow and Dataproc and all of these great tools where there's really no overhead in sort of getting our developers and our data team access to those tools, it allows us to be a lot more um, you know, nuanced and specific and fit for purpose in where we are storing and processing and serving data from. Yeah. And that's, I think you hit a key there, which is more yeah, flexible, like almost effortless ability to say, hey, we're going to, we need to do this and we need the right tool for it. And cloud really allows you that, that flexibility to say, okay, for this use case, I need this thing. Um, how how are you guys handling the challenge of the number of tools, right? So cloud, to kind of to your point, is wonderful in that we can say, hey, I've got this specific challenge here, and there's probably some service inside of GCP that I could go pull um, that's going to make this easier. But that's a new service. It's got new configuration items. It's that, you know, there's all these things that go along with that, especially from a security perspective, something you said earlier, mm -hmm. which is, you know, we're pulling in all these different data assets um, and it's really unlocking the value of those data assets as we combine them and do analytics on them. And then you're providing that back to your customer. There's also this challenge of, well, we got to know where that data came from and what the rules are around that data. And so when you start opening up into cloud has these various platforms and offerings and services that we can leverage, um, and there's lots of value in that, how are you managing the other side of that challenge, which is, okay, there's a real security concern here on how those things get configured and deployed and operated, you know, as we start rolling them into our, our application platforms. Yes, that's a that is also a very good uh, question and a challenge that um, you know occupied a lot of my thinking as we were sort of embarking on this journey. Uh, and I would say this is not specific just to data products on Google Cloud, right? This is general. Um, you know, when we shift from an on-prem paradigm to a cloud-based paradigm, there is a whole host of tools, even, you know, if we look at things like cloud functions or cloud run, you know, that of course they can be used in a, in a data capacity, but, um, you know, more generally, they're just novel ways of running infrastructure uh, that really don't exist or historically, you know, were, were difficult to provide, um, certainly at a smaller scale on-premise. Uh, it's a fundamentally different model for the developers to adopt, model for our infrastructure teams to support, and a very different security model. So, um, you know, I would say it, it certainly it was not and is not a free-for-all. Like, as, as much as I would love to give our developers access to everything in, in Google Cloud, because I think there's a ton of opportunity there, it does have to be sort of rolled out in a in a structured and managed way. So you know, quite frankly, when we started, aside from, from a couple of the data products like BigQuery that we felt like we understood very well or that we were working with partners like Sada that you know, helped us um, adopt best practices and things like that on those tools, uh, and for which there was obviously a very clear incentive for the reasons that I mentioned earlier in, in you know, its comparison to um, on-prem tools. Uh, you know, we definitely started with projects that 
were very were easy to run on the cloud in an on-prem like fashion right it was like dip your toe in the water get used to working with the cloud in a model that you're familiar with and then slowly adopt more tools and sort of um, build on that foundation as you go so it's not like you know the fire hose of okay you've got all these new tools your security team is trying to figure out how to work with everything at once um, so I would say that that in terms of a rollout strategy uh, was how we approached that. And then, of course, there are a number of sort of processes and controls that we put in place on top of that. So you know, everything that we're running in the cloud is in Terraform. So it gives us an opportunity through our sort of change management and release management process to give our infrastructure teams visibility, to give our security teams visibility into what tools our, our uh, development teams are leveraging as they are building and deploying their applications. Um, we also rely on, on a number of um, sort of third-party services, uh, many of which are available in the Google Cloud Marketplace uh, to help us secure those workloads. So tools like Sneak, um, which has been really, really great and really useful at evaluating the infrastructure through infrastructure as code, evaluating the applications, you know, helping, um, I would say, you know, it certainly doesn't replace the, the value that the security team brings in, you know, engaging with the development teams to make, to, to ensure that they understand how they are deploying their workloads and you know, what pitfalls might come with that, uh, but certainly augments their ability to do so. Um, you know, things like uh, CSPM tool, the cloud security posture management tool is also very valuable in that. Uh, and then finally, of course, partners. So you know, working with partners like SATA uh, or Mandiant who you know, really understand the, uh, the cloud security model and can help us make sure that we're doing things safely and securely, but also efficiently and you know, adopting best practices without having to go through that learning experience ourselves. Um, it was also part of that rollout strategy and you know, thus far has seems to have, uh, have paid off and worked very well for us. Yeah, I think you hit you hit the kind of three major themes. Um, you know, when I'm talking to customers, you talk about the three core tenets of good security practice, right? One is know everything. So that's your logging, that's your SAM, that's your CSPMs, right? We need to know what's happening inside our our infrastructures and environments and, and bringing that telemetry from our apps so we know what normal looks like. Um, so there's kind of that that first tenant. The second one is, you know, trust nothing, right? So leverage these tools, especially in the cloud world, where we can build in such a way um, where on-premise it would be overly complex to have isolation from node to node inside of a, a cluster or, you know, uh, VMware hosts or even virtual machines inside the data center. Well, Th those days are gone, right? Everything's code driven. Mm -hmm. You mentioned using Terraform to do all that, so we can we can bring layers of isolation and and um, security that we couldn't do before in the cloud, right? And so there's that kind of that second tenant, which is the trust nothing. Just because they're on the network doesn't mean I like you, right? You know, like you got to <laughs> earn my trust every time we talk, and um, and and that's a different model, right? I mean, especially in what you guys are doing, where the old model was, hey, I've got this front end app server or middleware server. Um, and it's allowed to touch this database. It's allowed to pull that data from that database. And so, well, just because it's the data, the middleware server doesn't mean we trust it, right? And so you can add these layers of security now with cloud um, that we couldn't do before. Um, and then you mentioned the, the, the third layer, which is, or the third tenant, which is automation, right? 
Terraform code, driving configurations through pipelines so we can do checks on those things, front-ending it with things like Sneak, where you know, you're, you're scanning those containers and the things that are going into your repos and making sure that they're secure from day one. So you're not deploying stuff out into a cloud environment that, yes, is infinitely scalable, but you know, we can also very quickly get into trouble if we took something that was bad at the beginning and then multiplied it times 1,000 and threw it out in the world, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I think um, those three things... Uh, and you hit all of them as you were running down, like this is how we had to do this, right? Um, is is the key areas to to doing that well. And then, you know, the last kind of wrapper around all that is is checking it, right? Making sure that we're doing it right. Because stuff stuff happens, stuff slips through the cracks, uh, new threats, you know, pop up all the time. And so, you know, how do we know that we're doing the right things? And that's for sure where, you know, Sada, you mentioned Mandy and um, the great partner of ours. Uh, we're you know we're t- we're bringing those things to our customers and able to say hey yeah this is great you know let's let's take that next step let's move this maturity uh, score forward um, so very very cool yeah, yeah. I, I will say just one thing um, that came to mind as you were speaking there you know Google does a very good job of sort of secure by default to a level um, you know certainly not. You know, you, you you can't expect to deploy you know any workload and have everything 100% secure out of the box because obviously it's very specific and unique and tailored to what you were trying to do. Um, but compared to an on-prem model where it was a very traditional you know perimeter-based security model, the fact that um, it is much more secure by by default, you have to sort of deliberately you know, have things talking to each other, open things up to the outside world where, where um, obviously necessary for business functionality or whatever, um, is certainly a, a shift in mentality, but a big benefit. And not just from a security perspective, I would say from a maintainability perspective and from, you know, making, keeping tabs on your environment and making sure that you understand what is going on and what's supposed to be going on there um, is, is really invaluable. I mean, when, when we were speaking earlier around, um, the challenges of migrating data to the cloud and, you know, all of the consumers of the old sort of on-prem thing, you know, a lot of that was born out of, a lot of that challenge was like, oh, like, we didn't know that this team was using this data. It's like, well, yeah, we've been doing it for 15 years. And it's just like, okay, well, like, how, you know, oh, well, we were on the same access, on the same network and, you know, things like that. Whereas um, those decisions have to be made much more deliberately. There are guardrails in place to sort of prevent, again, not even just from a security perspective, but prevent things, you know, like that from happening that you you don't know about, you know, making sure that that goes through the infrastructure team, the security team, the data team, you know, is is well thought out um, is, is also sort of a secondary benefit, I would say that um, we didn't necessarily specifically target in as an objective, um, but we were, you know, pleasantly surprised and, and have been uh, quite happy with the value that that's brought as well. Yeah, and that's the beauty of cloud, right? Is it, it does force us to think differently and, and have a different operating model. Um, and if you do it right, kind of to your point, right? There's there's a lot of value in that, right? Because now mm-hmm. we're talking and we know what's happening and why it's happening. And so it's not just a this thing sitting out here. We don't really know who uses it. Um, man, if I had a, a, a dollar for every time, you know, I just do the migrations and then said, you know, hey, what's this system for? And somebody said, I don't know. It's just been running. Like, you know, and can't can't find the owner. Don't know what it's for, right? And I think those mm-hmm. days are gone. Um, mm-hmm. and, and cloud forces that because the more, 
the more you mature your cloud practice, the more you're going to be forced to say, well, what is this for and why do I need it? And and build that into your Terraform code on the left side so that as it goes out, you you know why it's there, right? Um, things that you just exactly. didn't do before on-prem. Um, so that's that's super exciting. So, all right, in the last couple of minutes of our, of our episode here, I, I got some fun stuff. Everybody's talking about ChatGPT, Bard, you know, all these, these things that are going on uh, out there. Um, in fact, I saw a YouTube video yesterday, uh, you know, using chat GPT to guide my trades, you know, uh, <laughs> do my investments for me. And, you know, I gave chat, I think the title of the video was I gave chat GPT $30,000 and had it invested. Right. Um, <laughs> what's going on there? How do you see that impacting what Oanda's doing and what are you guys looking at? Um, and then what's, you know, for you in that trend, like what's, what's exciting, what's, what scares you, you know, what, what do, what do you think about that? Yeah, uh, definitely. It has been a very frequent topic of conversation in the industry and in our, our excuse me, our organization, uh, for sure. Um, I would say that uh, first on what's exciting, you know, I think it it plays very well with Oanda's ethos, right? the smarter trading and that democratization of, of data, not just of data, but democratization of the the um, the markets and and access to the markets is a really cool opportunity here. Again, when we sort of first got into sharing currency information, where previously it was just sort of institutional, when we look at um, not just with Oenda but but in the industry in general, this huge shift and and outsized interest from retail traders and retail investors in the past, call it two or three years. Um, that's really exciting because it, it sort of levels the playing field, right? And I would say that uh, generative AI um, helps to push that even further. When we look at um, when we look at some of the functionality that we offer, uh, and we have an API, um, which uh, is, is a huge asset to us, is something that our, our customers love. Um, some of the uh, white label trading platforms that are very common in our industry, uh, there's one in particular called MetaTrader. You know, it lets our customers develop their own um, you know, scripts or, or bots, if you will, to, to uh, perform trades uh, in line with their strategy. And that's really cool, obviously, and that's a good advantage, um, but there's still a barrier to entry, right? There's a barrier to entry in that you need to know how to code uh, in order to adopt that and to you know, gain whatever advantage or perceived advantage you know, that those um, types of automations may bring to you. So something like generative AI, you know, one of the, the frequent topics of conversation is, as you mentioned, in people using it to develop trading strategies, the output of that often is code, right? People will be like, hey, write me a program in Python that you know trades in accordance with whatever principles they, they feed into it. Um, and again, I think in principle, that's really cool because it, it, it helps serve to democratize and, and bring you know, broader access to the tools that again, ho hopefully help our customers succeed. I would say what what scares me a little bit, and and you know the flip side of that is that uh, again, as you've probably seen, as as many of the listeners have probably seen in the news, ChatGPT, Bard, you know, they all sometimes get it wrong. There was a, an article that I read uh, <laughs> Could two you days imagine? ago. Yeah, there, there was an article that I read two days ago that um, I think it was the Washington Post was 
was responding to the fact that ChatGPT had like referenced an article that they wrote, but they never actually published or wrote an article that that ChatGPT was was referencing. Nice. And, you know, I think um, as a customer, if you are using ChatGPT or you know something to develop a trading strategy, you really need to know and understand the risks that you're assuming, right? And um, that is that's a bit of a challenge for us. I mean, we have again a, a, a moral and ethical and regulatory obligation to make sure that we are acting in the best interests of our customers, that we're protecting our customers, um, and that they are you know, fully informed of the, the risks that they are making. And that becomes much more challenging when they're using a, a tool to drive their trading decisions that's outside of our control, right? Yeah. Um, so you know, when uh, definitely excited about the broader access with the caveat that you know, I think you, you will see um, I either either what I would love to see is a shift towards sort of more programmatic literacy in the general population so that people can at least read through a Python program, understand what it's doing to have that sort of check and balance to make sure that, okay, yeah. this matches what I've asked it to do. Um, what uh, what I hope doesn't happen, but, you know, we, we've seen um, a little bit of is kind of a... a nascent but growing distrust of generative AI, right? And I think that if that is the general direction and that, that perception grows, um, which I'm sure, you know, the folks at OpenAI and, you know, Google with Bard and things are, are thinking a lot about because they're obviously well incentivized to make sure that these uh, applications succeed in the market. Um, I, I hope that you know, we can get to a place where they are more accurate, you know, higher quality, and there is that that trust again, so that we can get to um, you know broader access and more democratized access to uh, these types of tools. Yeah. So what I heard you say as a father is teach your kids to code. You know, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, that's going to be a, a big advocate no joke, yeah. right? I mean, our children are going to grow up in a time where, to kind of to your point, right? Hey, you've got this trading strategy that ChatGPT wrote, and it gave you this script, and like. You can get value out of that if you know how to code, right? But then also, even if you don't, just having a general sense and understanding of that code is going to help you know whether, you know, what you're about to do uh, is mm -hmm. going to lose all your money or not. I gave $30,000 <laughs> and now I have 10. You know, that's that's not a good trade. You know? <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Uh, good stuff. Ali, it's been a pleasure to talk to you, man. Thanks for, thanks for joining me here uh, on Cloud & Clear. Uh, for those of you tuning in, uh, please subscribe down below, like this episode, and uh, let Elliot know that uh, we're glad to have him on. And uh, again, man, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, loved hearing about what you guys are doing there at Oanda, and glad to have you as a customer. Awesome. Yeah, thank you very much, Rocky. Really appreciate the opportunity. Always a pleasure. Thank you for listening to Cloud & Clear. Check the show notes for links to this week's topics. And don't forget to connect with us on Twitter at Cloud and & Clear and our website, sada.com. Be sure to rate and review the show on your favorite podcast app.